Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Monday, I hope everyone had a good weekend. I'm coming to you once again from the comfort of my own home. I'm in a different part of my house, so you're just seeing all the different parts of my house that can apparently function as a set. Uh, I hope that you guys had a restful weekend indoors with your family, maybe with your roommate, maybe even with a couple of your friends. I think the rule is that we're supposed to stay under like 10 people. So maybe you managed to do that and watch some Netflix or worked or whatever you did. I hope that you were able to find some serenity and peace amidst all of this absolute chaos. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You guys have told me, you've given me feedback that you miss Theology Mondays or really Bible topic Mondays or uh, topics that are analyzed from a biblical perspective Monday. Um, and so I am responding to that feedback by bringing them back, at least for now. And you can continue to send me that feedback. It seems like now is a time that we need biblical encouragement, maybe more than ever. It's hard to say that because we need biblical encouragement and, and wisdom every day. But these are unprecedented historic times. And I think people are yearning for truth, they're yearning for comfort, they're yearning for some kind of clarity and peace, and God's word gives that like no other. So today we're going to talk about fear, good fear and bad fear, and why we should not uh, be consumed with fear of any pestilence or any pandemic. That doesn't mean we don't take it seriously, that doesn't mean that we're not wise and cautious, but we're going to look at what the Bible uh, says about how we as Christians should be reacting and feeling in times of crisis and chaos. Uh, before we get into that, I want to tell you guys about a sponsor that we have talked about before, and that is Simply Safe. So, with home security, there are a couple ways that you can go about protecting your house. You can do it the complicated way, where you bring a technician out and they do a sloppy job, and you have to go through all of these contracts, and it's expensive and it's confusing. Or you can go with Simply Safe, and the best part about Simply Safe is really in the name. It really is simple. It takes like 30 minutes to set up. It is really affordable, and there are no contracts, which is amazing. That's one of my favorite parts. Um, it's blanket security for your entire family, for your entire home. You've got outdoor cameras if you want them. You've got indoor cameras. You've got motion sensors. You've got uh, glass break sensors that you can put on your window. You've got doorbells. Of course, you've got the standard security system that uh, you know alerts you when people or when you are going in and out of your house. It's just really great, really simple. Like I said, so easy to set up and you can trust that your home is secure. You have access to 24-7 uh, to highly trained experts that are ready to dispatch police to your home at a moment's notice if you need it. Just 50 cents a day, no contracts, it's really great. Uh, go to simplysafe.com slash Allie to check it out. That's simplysafe.com slash Allie, A-L-L-I-E, and you will get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You really have nothing to lose. That is simplysafe.com slash Allie, S-I-M-P-L-I, safe.com slash Allie. Okay, let's get into today's episode. So we are living in super strange times. I just say, I say that every day when we wake up, like really weird, strange times. It feels like an alternate universe. It doesn't help that where I live has been gloomy pretty much every day. Like we just haven't had great weather, which has also just added to the, I don't know, the scary foreboding feeling that we are all kind of getting in all of this, not just from the virus itself, but also from the government intervention that's happening, whether it's necessary or not. Um, it just is overwhelming. It's a lot. It's a huge adjustment for all of us in big ways and small. I mean, people are getting laid off 
from their jobs. Businesses are shuttering. Uh, couples are postponing their weddings. Families are planning funerals with uh, no one in attendance. There's a lot of tragedy around us to be overwhelmed by uh, that even goes beyond the effects of this virus. Uh, I know uh, we spent Friday talking about the, the blessings in the midst of this storm, and we should continue to think about those and to remember those. We should continue to thank God for his mercy, uh, for his faithfulness, for time with our families, for uh, people seeing the necessity of compassion when maybe before they were stuck in their self-absorption. But we also have to take notice of the things, the bad things, the scary things that are happening around us. As uh, I am recording this right now on Friday the 20th, the National Guard has been mobilized in multiple states. California is on total lockdown. People are out stockpiling guns, uh, loading up on ammo while cities across the country are enacting policies that forbid police from arresting criminals that commit crimes that are nonviolent. So we're talking theft, we're talking vandalism, prostitution. Uh, They're not allowed to arrest criminals for committing those crimes in a lot of cities. The ACLU at the same time is demanding that many prisoners be released from prison during all of this. And that's terrifying. That's how a pandemic turns into pandemonium and absolute anarchy. That if you don't want people clutching their guns, that's probably not the route to take. Uh, these things are all arguably a lot more terrifying than a virus with a 97 to 99% survival rate. Like I'm just going to say that. Now I have said from the beginning that we should be taking this seriously. I am not flippant about the effects of this virus. I am certainly not flippant about anyone's life, especially if you are older or you are immunocompromised. Like, I don't want to take a chance with your life. I want us to all voluntarily socially distance. I want us to all, um, to the extent that we can, self-quarantine. And I want us to be cautious and careful and wise and compassionate towards the people, not just in our circle, but also outside of our circle, the entire uh, contagion that uh, happens when we go outside and we're in contact with people if we might be asymptomatic carriers of this disease. I want us all to be uh, thoughtful about, about all of that. Um, but at the same time, we cannot ignore the social and the economic cost of our reaction to all of this. We have to consider uh, the lives that are being ruined by shutting down so many parts of our society. That is also part of compassion is considering all of those things. Uh, the people who have been or will be fired, the people dealing with severe loneliness who maybe already struggle with depression and now this whole thing is exacerbating that, the people who require psychiatric care during the week and maybe the place that they go is uh, not open anymore and so they can't get the typical care that they need. People cannot live in general no matter what your psychiatric state is, people just can't live in isolation for long. Eventually, the heaviness of the emotional effects of isolation and the uh, financial effects of a shutdown will outweigh the heaviness of the physical disease. It just will. I think it's just human nature, especially here in America. Americans are full of freedom. Even the people who say that they are advocates of socialism and communism, we all have this just inborn desire for liberty. We're just not going to tolerate this kind of shutdown indefinitely. For a little while, for the good of our fellow man, we will, but indefinitely without any light at the end of the tunnel, I just don't think people, especially 
Americans who are very turned off and afraid of tyranny and totalitarianism are just not going to tolerate it for long. The long-term cost for Americans uh, is just too high. I think many, many are considering that, and we should. It is a really tough situation that we're in. It feels surreal, like I said so many times, like we are living in another world or some kind of science fiction novel. It doesn't help... Um, it doesn't help that the media seems to be using this in a way, some in the media are using this in a way that is, um, that is unhelpful and counterproductive to say the least, that is less about information and more about hysteria and more about politics, worrying endlessly about what we call the virus rather than where the virus actually came from and why the virus keeps coming from the same place uh, what policies are in place uh, in the country where it originated and what kind of government do they have that is allowing this these kinds of viruses to be spread. They're not as concerned with that as they are about political correctness, and that is just making this entire situation worse. Um, I'm trying personally not to be scared. I'm trying personally not to be anxious and, and angry. I've been telling uh, you guys all the things that I've been telling myself too. Uh, don't be panicked. Don't be worried. Trust God. Be wise. It's all going to be okay. So today's episode that we are getting into is just as much for me as it is for you guys. Today, we are going to talk about, like I said at the top, fear, the different kinds of fear, what kind of fear is justified, what kind of fear we're actually called to, and what fear we are not called to. Um, as always, I don't have the answers, all the answers, I don't have uh, the comfort to bring. I don't have the wisdom or the insight or the perspective that we ultimately need. Uh, I don't have any of that in comparison uh, to the wisdom and the insight and the comfort and the perspective that comes from the living God and his word. So that's what we are going to dive into today. We, that's what we're going to be uh, reminded of. The Bible has a lot to say about fear. Hundreds of times throughout the Bible, we are told not to fear, not to worry, not to be anxious, not to fret. Uh, I'm going to read you some of the passages that remind us first who God is. So why we shouldn't fear, because who God is uh, serves as our justification for our peace. Then we will talk about the verses that implore us, that demand, that direct, that command, uh, that we not be afraid. I've included these references in the description of this episode, so it may be a good idea for you ladies to jot them down, to write them out, to put them on your mirror, maybe over your kitchen sink, on your computer, uh, wherever you will be spending a lot of time. Maybe uh, we even work to memorize these scriptures. It would be uh, certainly very helpful. Psalm 119.105 says that God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Those of you who were raised in Christian school and in Sunday school probably know that one. Psalm 31.3 says God is our rock and our fortress. For his name's sake, he leads us and guides us. Uh, right now, when we feel like we are uh, wading in deep and turbulent water, when we are walking down an uncharted path, in the dark, we need two things. We need both light and a leader. Uh, God's word says that he and his word are both. He is our light in the darkness. He is our guide through the wilderness. On our own, we will fall and fail and flail 
and fumble through the night. But with God, we can put one foot in front of the other, trusting that he not only knows the way, that he has actually made the way, that he has actually carved and charted this path before we were even on it. Uh, Psalm uh, 37, 23 through 34 uh, not 23 through 34. Maybe that's supposed to be 24. I just need to fix that in my notes. Uh, the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way, though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong for the Lord upholds his hand. Uh, there is no such thing as uncharted territory for God. God has never been lost. He has never been stumped. He has never been confused. He has never been surprised. He has never been thrown off, thrown for a loop, worried, anxious, or afraid. He has never wondered how things would turn out. He has never had to wait and see what the outcome of any situation would be. God is completely in control. He is completely sovereign. His plan is sure. His purpose is secure. There is no power. There is no virus. There is no government authority. There is no policy, no military force, no human or supernatural enemy that can stop him, hold him back or slow him down or hinder his will in any way. They can't do it. Uh, Job 42.2 is one of my favorite verses that I think about often. And it says, for I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. God can do all things. He is omnipotent. Uh, 1 John 3.20 says that God knows everything. So that means he's, he is omniscient. Jeremiah 23.24 says, Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. Uh, he is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is ever-present. He is also good. Psalm 86.5 says, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. It is very hard for us to comprehend that he is all of these things at once in the midst of tribulation. How can a good, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God allow or perhaps even cause something like this to happen? Second Chronicles 7.13 says that God can and may send pestilence among his people. Uh, we don't always know the exact reason, it could be uh, because we just live in a fallen and a fractured world in which disasters simply happen and calamity simply strikes. It could be a call to repentance. It could be condemnation and judgment. It could be all of these things at once. Uh, but whatever God's purpose is, however mysterious it is to us right now, we do know that everything God does is ultimately for his glory. That we know for sure for bringing honor to his name, for displaying his power, for sharing his gospel. Um, it may not always be immediately obvious that that's what's happening, but that's because we cannot always see the, the souls being saved or the good being done or the secret conversations or the quiet peace or the silent prayers. Uh, his glory may not be manifested exactly how we think it should through cures and tests and medical equipment, though of course I pray that it does and we should be praying for those things. It may be manifesting itself, especially right now, in the things that we cannot see. And scripture tells us, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says this, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison 
as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. There are, of course, as in all things, eternal gains being made by God's power for God's glory. And we should look for them and we should ask to be a part of them, not because God needs us, but because it is our privilege and our honor to be a part of them, to be used by him. And as we discussed on Friday, there are simple blessings uh, that we should thank God for, that we should be looking for, like parents getting to spend more time with their children, children getting to spend more time with their parents, Planned Parenthoods across the nation being closed uh, in, some na- in, in some states, not all states, uh, individuals in the private sector making sacrifices to help those who need it, politicians on both sides of the aisle coming together to do what's best for the country. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of evil. There's a lot of malice. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of loss and sorrow, but there's also good. There's also God's glory. And God has never for one second in the midst of all of this stopped being in control or bringing about his purposes, whatever they may be. Uh, He is alpha. He is omega. He is beginning and end. He is creator. He is sustainer. He is savior. He is judge. He is king. He is over and through all of it. Um, here is how Colossians 1, 15 through 20 uh, describes this Messiah, this King of Kings, this Lord of Lords that we as Christians worship. Uh, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And that same Jesus that was just described in that chapter Uh, who is over, through, and in charge of everything, tells us not to worry. He says in Matthew 6, 31 through 34, which you should read this whole chapter if you haven't. uh, Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Do not be anxious, Jesus says, the God of the universe says, for tomorrow. Uh, Psalm 118.6 says, The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Proverbs 37.8, Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself it tends only to evil. Isn't that so true that fear and working ourselves into a tizzy leads only to evil and only to more anxiety? Isaiah 41.10, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold uh, uphold you with my righteous right hand. Romans 8.35-39, through 39, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. 
know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, But it's not that we shouldn't fear at all. We are actually to redirect our fear and change our fear into a different kind of fear towards a different kind of target. And that target is God himself. Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 13 and 20 through 21 says this. He's speaking to Israel. And of course, this principle applies to his people today. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statues of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. And by his name, you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. He is the one that we are supposed to fear. Psalm 211 says, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Psalm 25, 14 says, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. How wrong does the world get that today? The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant. Proverbs 14, 26, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have refuge. Of course, we know that Proverbs also said, says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Isaiah 8, 12 through 13, do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy and do not fear what they fear nor be in dread, but the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. Jesus says in Luke 12, four through five, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Colossians 3.22, bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. This kind of fear that the Bible tells us to have is different by nature than anxiety. Fear in this context means to respect, to come before in awe and humility, understanding his power, his absolute holiness, our undeservedness, a constant understanding that the righteousness that we have is not our own, but Christ, the knowledge that God can do all things and that no purpose of his can be thwarted. Now, here's a question. We know God's power. We know that we're not to fear the things of this world. We know that we are supposed to have um, an, an, awe, an awesome or an awful, depending on how you want to look at it or use those words, fear of Uh, fear of God. Here's a question that people have even knowing that. Is all of this a part of the end times? Um, The Bible does say that God will bring pestilence in the end times. Jesus says in Luke 21, 10 through 13, that he said to him, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places, famines and pestilences, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, 
delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Revolution, six, er, revolution, Revelation 6, 8 prophesies this. Um, and I looked and behold a, pair hor- a pale horse and its rider's name was death and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill the sword with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. Um, so to me, these passages, these descriptions seem worse than what we are currently experiencing and what we have experienced. Now, there are many parts of the earth, obviously, that are and have endured much more persecution than we have here in the United States. So they might read those passages and say, yeah, that sounds a lot like me. People in China, for example, that are thrown into concentration camps for being Christians, they would probably say that's an accurate description. Maybe so. Um, but I think that it would probably be more widespread than that. So this could just be kind of a precursor. I don't know. But lots of people right now, lots of people are claiming to have visions, claiming to have a special word from the Lord. Lots of people are pretending to know prophecies that you've never heard of. Unfortunately, a lot of this is for attention. It's not of the Lord. We have to weigh what people say against the word of God. We don't follow suspicion. We don't follow feelings. We don't follow sensationalism. Uh, Jeremiah 23 demonstrates how God feels about lying prophets. And here are parts of that chapter. Thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say no disaster shall come upon you. I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who steal my words from one another. Behold, I'm against the prophets, declares the Lord, who use their tongues and declare, declares the Lord. Behold, I am against those who prophesy lying dreams, declares the Lord, and who tell them and lead my people astray by their lies and their recklessness when I did not send them or charge them. So they do not profit this people at all, declares the Lord. Um, We need to watch out. We need to be careful. We need to understand that as uh, 1 Peter 5.8 says, that we have to be sober-minded and watchful, knowing that our adversary, the devil, is prowling around looking for people to devour, um, not just by uh, bringing calamity into people's lives, not by just tempting them to worry or fear or lust or envy or covet or whatever it is, but also by believing these suspicions. Uh, We talked about this on Friday, and I also uh, listed this passage from Isaiah 8 today, and I'll say it again. The Bible says, do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. So we have to be careful about following these rabbit holes of suspicion and of conspiracies that don't align with God's word. God's word is our guide. It is our standard. It's what we weigh people's words against. And any prophecy that is um, creating confusion or anxiety really needs, we really need to discern whether that is of the Lord. God is not the God of confusion. He is the God of peace. Uh, we need to be vigilant against these kinds of attacks on our mind. First Thessalonians 5.2 says, 
for you yourselves are fully aware. Um, so this is going back to this is going back to the prophecies that people are saying uh, that okay, this is of the end times. I've seen this vision. I know that this is happening. Here's what's coming about. Here's what the Lord is doing. He told me this. So just so we remember, here's what First Thessalonians five two says: For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Matthew 24, 42 through 44 says this, Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So we have to be ready. We have to be watchful. We have to be vigilant. Uh, We might be taking a break from many parts of our lives, but I can tell you the devil is not taking a break. He is probably working overtime right now, especially as so many people are stuck in isolation and are tempted by absolute dread. Um, Like I said, 1 Peter 5.8, the devil is prowling around looking for someone to devour and we have to be watchful. And we have to remember the words of Ephesians 6 that talk about uh, being strong in the Lord. So I'll I'll read that. And I've read this passage many times on this podcast. Uh, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. Uh, God through Paul is saying, Paul is writing this, that uh, words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador and change that I might declare it boldly as we ought to speak. So I hope that the word of God has encouraged all of you who are listening to this, the moms, the sisters, the daughters, the friends, the students, the employees, the volunteers, the nurses, the doctors, the grocery store clerks, the people who don't get a day off, people who are afraid, people who are anxious, people who are worried, people who are looking for truth and clarity and anchor, a buoy, uh, something to hold them together Jesus is that. He is that. He is what you are looking for in the midst of all of this. He is the God who made the waves and calms them at his word. Um, So I encourage you to look at the scripture that I've listed in this description and uh, meditate on them, memorize them, hold them in your heart and uh, go back to them every time you feel that anxiety crop up. That's what I'm going to do. Okay, guys, love y'all. I'll see y'all back here on Wednesday.